0: Welcome to the Fifth
1: Trooper podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fifth Trooper podcast. My name is Jay Shalansky, and my co-host is Evan Bulris.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: On today's cast, we have Chris Birch from Modifius Games. Hey guys, sorry about that. I, st- <laughs> I was like, I was like <laughs> clicking something. I'm like, uh, where am I? <laughs> uh, but uh, so, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Modiphius does Elder Scrolls, uh, Fallout, you guys also have the Vampire Mask, the Masquerade right as an RPG?
0: Yeah that's right, Star Trek, Conan, John Carter, Kung Fu Panda, bunch of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah I'm trying yeah I was like going through Conan yeah I'm like try, John Carter of Mars right so there's there's a ton of yeah. stuff like I'm trying to think make sure we we grab everybody's attention here. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, you guys did the Infinity RPG as well
0: yes yeah and so, Acton Cthulhu which is our our baby our, our own project that's uh, kind of World War II horror so oh, okay. that's awesome so that's a great
1: kind of segue to one of my questions that I had for you so when you guys are developing a game when it's like do you feel um, I guess the question would be do you guys feel a little bit more uh, nervous, maybe, is the question when you're developing an IP that's already established, like something like Fallout or Elder Scrolls, versus um, building something that's your own IP.
0: Well, it's weird. In some ways, it's a lot easier because the, a lot of the work's been done. Like, you don't have to go, shall we make the armor red or yellow? It's like, well, it's red. <laughs> it's red in the game, it's red in the movie. So, it takes a lot of that kind of uh you know creative wrangling away and it's all about how you interpret it in a really cool way so that fans of the game or the movie jump on it and can't wait to get it and people who've never seen the game or never played the game go wow that's cool um for our own projects there's a lot of work to go shall we make it red or green you know what does red say what does green say and maybe red will suck when it looks as a you know in the artwork and um, you know there's a lot more creative wrangling and decision making but then it's easier because I don't need to get anyone to approve it I can just do it and um, <laughs> get on with it so both both are work both are great like you know it's amazing to work on Star Trek it's amazing to work on Elder Scrolls you know you couldn't want to work on something bigger really you know something that so many people spend so much time playing it's not like oh yeah I saw that movie once like you know three years ago and uh, so basically your experience was like a couple of hours like most people who are Elder Scrolls fans you can geek out for hours like oh yeah and I did this thing and then I did that and oh and did you do that bit on the with the (laughs) vampires yeah you know and you can we've all had that kind of shared experience so something like a video game is that's so intense like Elder Scrolls is amazing because so much content and we can just keep going deeper and deeper into it and finding cool stuff to to make.
1: yeah do you think um, with that vein is it you know trying to you know you have all this background that they've already developed for you but then you're also trying to make your mark a little bit in the world as well so do you like how is that process worked out when you're when you're developing a game like Elder Scrolls?
0: well you, you are limited a bit and you're also unlimited i mean you're unlimited in, in the sense there's so much content that you can pick from um you can imagine as video game developers they don't want to be painted in a corner like with fallout we can't go oh yeah there's this new vault and there's this cool story over here in boston because they might be like well we don't want that vault there and we actually have you know we don't want to be forced <laughs> into changing our script just because you made this thing up right so you, you have to be a bit, um, you have to abstract things. So it's like, Hey, this story is about this ruin that could be anywhere in your wasteland <laughs> uh, or it's a vault tech, uh, you know, ruin or something like that. You don't say where it is so because you've got to give them space to, to play their games. It, it's yeah. funny because Star Trek is a bit different. They actually totally embrace you creating new stuff. So we, created this area called the Shackleton Expanse that's now kind of part of the Beta Canon and is um, a whole area of space that is on the other side of the map. And there's a whole cool campaign there about an alien race. So it's it's funny, different companies embrace Canon in a, in a different way. Mm. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's 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 a weird one, really. But but then Star Trek does have this like two levels of canon. You've got beta, which is kind of any of the not the TV shows and films, and then you know prime is um, anything that's in the current shows or previous shows and the movies. Um, and and that's that's hundred percent canon. You know, so you you've got room to to do uh, a lot more. Um, with a, you
1: know with an entity like that so yeah and do you feel a pull to you know because I think a lot of us the reason like let's let's using Star Trek uh, as an example you know I think like a lot of the known characters that we know or you know the the known ships that there's a pull to to want to be part of that story right like I've I've seen uh, you know Picard do all this stuff he was he was part you know part of the Borg I want to go to that cube or I want to you know I want to be on the Defiant and I want to fly that or the Enterprise and so how do you how do you really work that stuff into games where it's like I want to give the player the experience of being part of it but I also you know like you said the alpha versus beta kind of uh, storylines but I also Mm want to weave in some of this beta stuff so that they feel like they're making their own path in this world as well.
0: Well, apparently um, uh, Wizards did a big survey. Actually, this, this is, uh, actually, this, this is um, I think, more like, yeah, early, early, early Wizards, when they, had, um, they did a Conan role-playing game, I think. Actually, no, sorry. No, it was a big piece of survey. TSR originally did a Conan game. Um, but Wizards did a survey, and one of the questions was, do you want to play the heroes, e.g. Conan, in the Conan stories and most people don't and it's a bit like when they play role play Star Wars most people don't want to be Luke and Leia and Han because the story is written and they want to create their own storyline they mm. they love you know it's the story of those characters brings them in but they love the universe and it's a similar thing with Star Trek we do create pdfs of the of the kind of main characters so you can use them in your stories but um, it's, it's very rare that people want to be uh, the bridge uh, bridge crew, you know, the known bridge crew. They might want to pilot the Enterprise, but there is this weird thing in canon that you go, well, um, it's, well, where, where is the, where's the bridge crew? We can't be the bridge crew because we know Picard mm-hmm. and everyone were running the ship um, yeah. and they want to set it in a time. So often it's people create their own ships and their own storylines um, to, you know, to explore the world without... Any limits? Because you know, it's not like oh well, you know, the enterprise didn't have a crew between this date and this date, so we could kind of fit in there. But then, you know, your your time's limited. So, yeah, I think it's people like to have the stats, but I, I think they rarely actually want to play them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. I would say I, you know, uh, I'm not interested in being Picard, but. I am interested in some of the ships.
0: (laughs) Oh sure yeah yeah. I think in a weird way it's um, I mean the characters are fun but it's the it's the ship it's the ships and the gear and the universe that are uh, you know way more fun with Star Wars and Star Trek Um, uh, and uh, obviously Star Trek is is more about the people um, and the storylines between them but you know who doesn't want to walk into the bridge of the enterprise, it would be awesome. Yeah. Now, the flip side is with miniature games is you play Yassarell Thrice Pierced and Rallof and the Dragonborn and all the characters that you know and in Fallout, you're getting the sole survivor, mm-hmm. um, but you're 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 able to play all the well-known characters, but they're a fixed thing in the universe, and you get to be them to run around. And but of course, you could go. You know what? I like of the Survivor Three with the rifle, and he. I just really like the paint job I did on him, so I'm going to make him my hero. So nothing stops you um, being what you want in the game. Uh, and I quite fancy having a whole bunch of super mutant buddies with and a, a robot <laughs> sidekick. You can do anything you like. Um, yeah. But miniature games. You know, generally put you in the place of being the various characters, especially a game like Fallout, which is really about characters. So,
1: well, yeah, I mean, that's interesting that you you say that because you know Evan and I uh, are are big Star Wars Legion players, and and the difference I think in my head because I've I've done the RPG and I've done the the tabletop game, you know, the the war game, is that I don't feel like I am Luke when I'm playing him in the game. I feel like. Yeah. I'm just playing Luke in this battle. Or, or yeah, you know, yeah, sure. yeah. And so there's some sort of like fantastical thing that our imagination does where that's okay. <laughs> like I'm yeah, using certainly. Luke, I'm not yeah. Luke, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, I've got, um, yeah, I play Legion as well sometimes. And um, because you've got a, a force, it's, it dilutes the, the idea. Cause you might also have Han yeah. or Leia or whoever. And, but you might also be Darth Vader, and that's cool, you know, because you want to. You know, it's fun to be the bad guys sometimes. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, I totally get you. I think it's a different experience, obviously, with a role-playing game. You are zoning in on one character's fortunes and history and future and where they're going to go. You know, on a on a tabletop battle, you're just playing that battle. Even if you're playing a campaign, it's a limited thing. You aren't cre- recreating their personal story whereas in a role-playing game if you know that you're leia and you're about to do the Hmm. you know a new hope you're about to get captured because you can't change the future you know and and that kind of sucks as a role player um unless you've got a very 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 good gm who can make it so entertaining and um uh but yeah so uh yeah it's it's different experiences but it's they're all good
1: well, and I think they all, you know, there's certain each one kind of has that certain itch that you get scratched right by playing playing the different versions in that world, and uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, but like kind of going off the GM uh, comment, it's one of the things that Evan and I were Evan uh, really really enjoys it is the is the uh, AI system in Fallout, and that yeah, kind of yeah, it's gives you that. Great yeah that gm feel right in the game so so when developing something like fallout and and developing an uh, you know i'm putting ai in quotes but an ai how, how much like what do you, what's the process for that and the and the thoughts behind that
0: well i always wanted a, a strong ai in the game um i grew up as a solo wargamer i started with um as a young kid well kind of eight nine year old discovered DD and started collecting people's cast off citadel miniatures that were badly painted and then um gradually built up an army and would kind of play out my own i wrote my own rules for big battles and uh played out my own narrative storylines um i kind of learned to play against myself and enjoy it and and i started to figure out like event cards and fun stuff um and you know through my teens i was never close to anyone else who was a war gamer and i'd go to the occasional you know in britain the classic thing is a is a war game club in the, in a room above a pub and um. it's you know your old war games crowd playing twenty-eight mil Napoleon or twenty-five mil Napoleonics probably oh, and uh <laughs> all kinds of you know, all the old historical war games and you know, fancy, you know, you would never see a fancy game at something like that. You might see a um, you know, it's you know, fantastical versions of <laughs> and, you know, recreating the Battle of Waterloo or you know, the Soviet strike on the American divisions around, you know, in the 70s or whatever, you know, so potential historical events. Um, So I, you know, would often, you know, recreate my own storylines. And, um, you know, obviously, COVID has changed a lot of this, it's brought it really to the fore. But, you know, a couple of years ago, when we were working on this, Um, I just knew that you know there's a lot of gamers out there who and like my own experience is my gaming group we play a lot of role-playing games and board games not so much war games but it's a gaming group right so you know one guy's had a kid and another got married and moved away and uh, one of the girls went to work in Dubai and you know suddenly we can't meet as often and I think that experience is is the same all over the world that People suddenly find their amazing gaming group isn't meeting as much as they mm. used to. and Or, you know, you've got a family and you've got a busy job and you don't have that awesome six hours lazy Saturday afternoon to, <laughs> you know, sit around <laughs> chatting away, drinking coke, eating pizza and building your massive war game table and spending all day playing it. You've actually got, if you're lucky, an hour or a couple of hours and you need to be able to just play a solo game yourself so Mm. that's why i push really hard for solo and also that it the real goal was that um and uh, the problem i think with a lot of solo systems and i mean thank goodness there are lots out there but a lot of them all they really do is it moves towards your nearest guy and attacks you and if it's a ranged unit it shoots you (laughs) and um board games you know like descent and imperial Assault and others have have really um helped develop um uh miniatures based sort of ai ideas and um you know we we really tried to create something that the golden rule the golden idea was i'm just trying to stop the ai completing the mission and that's it Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? It's not about me doing the mission and the AI is just popping up and getting in the way. It's the AI is doing the mission. And I all I've got to do is stop it. And, and, and I think we kind of got it. It's not perfect, but it pretty much does it. It can blow your mind sometimes. It's really tough. It'll surprise you. I was playing a mission where the um, Super Mutants had to pick up this TV to watch the Super Mutant Bowl, no, no doubt. <laughs> and um, uh, you know we're fighting over it, and you know the big the big brute's coming for my power armor, and then and then one of the other guys, one of the other super mutants that's going to pick up the TV dies, and then this other brute turns around and forgets fighting me and just runs and picks up the TV and he's off the map before I even stop him. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it re- yeah, it really can surprise you. And and our goal is to make an AI system that really challenges just like another player can be unpredictable and do mad stuff that you'd never never expect um and beat you which at the end of the day that is you don't want you don't want to just win every time because that's boring you want you want an ai to just keep thrashing you and you're like Mm -hmm. oh man okay i have got to have to really think about what what (laughs) forces it take now i've got to really up my game and um and, and part of how it does that is with the behavior system which we're actually developing there's more stuff coming I'll talk about in a moment but the every, every unit has its own AI card which its own behavior so for those who don't know the game um, but if you know Fallout so a super mutant brute will act differently depending on how wounded it is whereas a brotherhood scribe who's basically the IT department in the field will act differently based on how many friends are nearby and as he's losing friends he's getting very very cautious and <laughs> covering himself so um, it, may, it means we can um really um give a lot of flavor to those you know those forces and everything has an ai card so it doesn't matter what you want to play in fallout everyone else can be your enemy and and i think that's that's one of the real uh, beauties of the of the game system is that it's just so flexible you can be i just want to be Nora and Dogmeat and just explore the world and fight everyone and maybe make friends or you can be a whole crew of of um, paladins and scribes and, cor- and you know and um, uh, brother of steel forces and, and just kind of you know invade the wasteland. so it's, it's there's so much options which is great.
1: well and it, it was interesting so you know Evan uh, put me here at our studio he put me on a demo of the game and you know we, I, we, we've just kind of built like my my figures and what they had and then uh, he was kind of running the AI you know to kind of show me how the AI system worked and I believe it was a mutant dog like it came up it started running at me and I had the survivor and so I shot it and then it was like oh no and it like it started to run away and it just felt I was like Oh man, that feels so good. And then it kind of like it got far enough away where it decided that it was gonna come back for for another another go at me from a different angle. And I was just like and it just felt like I was playing someone when really Evan was just reading the AI card and just doing what it said.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean that's yeah, it's a good thing. And I think also the other important thing is that there's the old joke that two people go and play a war game and one walks away happy. (laughs) Is yeah, the beauty is that it also means you can play co-op. And my big thing is I believe that, I mean, you've seen how big co-op board games have been. And I think war games are the next area that are going to explode with that because um, of course you can play on your own, but, you know, especially if we start talking about narrative and introducing storylines, we can do all kinds of stuff when we're playing co-op because suddenly we don't need the forces to be, you know completely balanced mm. we you know we can do whatever we like because it's a sh- now we're playing a shared story and we can work together to beat the game and that could be two of us or three of us or five of us you know um you know in fallout or elder scrolls we could each have a hero and there could be five six of us playing or we could each be you know it could be three of us with a hero each and a few followers so there's a lot of flexibility and i love the idea of really exploring um, how you can make, um, you know, like organized play events are traditionally about a tournament. You bring a load of people together and they get stuff for winning. So, you know, my challenge to our team has been, how do we create an organized play event that's cooperative, Mm. that is about having, and and it's more fun than a tournament and it's more exciting for the stores to run it. And I love making difficult challenges. (laughs) Although saying that, um, you know, organized play is kind of totally on hold at the moment until uh, we figure out what's happening with the world.
1: Well, and I think the bonus to that, like as I'm thinking about it is, there's only so many times like Evan and I, you know, we're close and he's, he's over at least a couple of times a week. Uh, you know, we just got reopened here in New York, upstate New York. So he can come, he can come over now, but uh, you know, there's only so many times he can win or I can win in like a battle field game you know and just and, and a, war to, a war game and then it's just like all right, I don't you know it's just this it, one of us gonna win one of us gonna lose like okay I get it I don't want to play this game anymore <laughs> you know? I want to play something else and I think the opportunity to do cooperative probably adds some longevity to the game in general because it's like okay so this time we're going to be on the same team next time we can you know we can go against each other and then maybe I'll do something by myself against the AI. You know, yeah. if you can't make it next week.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've also got we've got more stuff coming for solo mode, um, while well, in co-op mode. So there's there's a um, vault builder uh, product that's coming through that's going to let you be able to build these really kind of really cool random uh, vaults to explore on your own or thought... <laughs> uh, as a co-op thing. Uh, we're also um, expanding on the settlement mode, and also uh, there's a, um, a product coming that massively expands the settlement part of the gameplay where you actually now build your settlement. And, and so it's a real thing that can be attacked on the table. And um, you can also kind of level up or kind of grow your characters, your your, your crew. Um, also, we've got a product where which really um, dials up the the kind of exploration side of things so you can go exploring the wasteland and it will generate a random wasteland um area for you to just move around and everything's going to have its own natural behaviors so we also have the sort of combat ai kind of what once it knows you're there what's it going to do but if it doesn't know you're there they're not just sitting around waiting to be activated. I mean, you, you, if you look around the wasteland from a high point, you'll see stuff doing things. They're like chasing each other, killing each other, prowling around, you know. Um, and so we've got this new these new um, behavior cards that you can enter this random area and there might be a rad scorpion um, kind of hunting. There might be um, a Brotherhood of Steel, couple of dudes, um, fighting a death claw, there might be super mutants running away from something, and they're all doing their thing and they all trigger off each other. And you can just sit back and watch it if you want. It's quite hilarious. Or you kind of like sneak around and hope they don't notice you whilst they're out uh, there doing their thing. So it's really it, awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be really good because again it really dials up that I love the I want to build a vault and just go in there and see what happens and I want to and it's completely random. And I also want to um just go out there in the wasteland. Just find because that's the great thing about both Fallout and Elder Scrolls is you can just go. I'm going that way, and you'll bump into something happening. You'll stumble across an NPC on the road. <laughs> you'll find people attacking some bandits attacking someone. That's the awesome thing about it. Just stuff happens. It's it's a living world, it, um, and so you know we're we're trying to create these little modules that, uh, depending on what what you love about the game, you can get more of that out of it
1: that's that's really great um so when when you're developing games is there any is there ever a point where as a team that like you know because from a from a like a a creator standpoint right there's always this nagging thing in the back of your head that oh is everyone gonna gonna think this is the same thing i think it is and (laughs) so when you guys are developing do you ever have that like moment where you're like I don't, I don't know. I don't think this is is everybody going to appreciate what we've done here.
0: (laughs) You do 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 a certain, a bit of research and it's a bit of gut feeling as a gamer yourself. I mean, I also generally don't work on stuff I don't love because I know I'm going to end up doing something on it on Saturday night because you have to. And Mm -hmm. um, see, it's always good to be passionate about the stuff, especially when you're talking about it. you know, you, you don't always get everything 100% right, um, but you've got to go with your what you feel is a good game and, you know, of course you play test. and if people are saying this sucks, it's not fun, then you change it. You know, right. you don't just go, I don't care, I'm sticking this game out because I think it's good. Um, so we have a process, products go through to be developed, so, you know, it gets analysed and debated and... Um, and, you know, we, we do research and look at other similar products, you know, what what would it match up to? Do we think there's a market for it? How many how many do we think we're going to sell? Will we make enough money to pay for the staff who are going to work on it? You know, it's you can't make games for free. It's got to pay people's wages. So, you know, will we make enough to pay all the people who are going to have to work on this to do a really good job? So there's a lot of things you have to look at. Um, you know, as a bigger company, it's it's not like, you know, if you're a dude in your bedroom and you, you've got a day job and you can just kind of do whatever you like. It doesn't matter if you don't make any money. We're You know, we're long past those days. If I go, I want to do this big license, it's going to cost us a load of money. And if we get it horribly wrong, people, you know, we might not be able to keep people employed. So it's much more important we, you know, we get it right. So, so far, we pretty much got it right now could we have done a, a different job a better job probably um but you know you, i don't have any regrets you know you, if you have fun and you make a game that lots of people like if we'd done something different and another five thousand people would have loved it even more of course that would have been brilliant because you would have sold a lot more a lot more miniatures or a lot more boxes um but you just get on and you know you do as good a job as you can yeah so
1: out of out of the games that you guys so you guys do the the war games RPGs board games, what is your favorite game to be part of a, as part of a team
0: working on it? Um, well, I guess it changes all the time. I mean, uh, <laughs> when we signed Star Trek, it was amazing because I was a huge Star Trek fan as a kid. Um, but and then I worked on that a lot, and then I moved on, and you know, I'm currently working on a load of stuff for Elder Scrolls um and fallout um you know and i've played so much of both of those games it's both awesome but i've also got my own project that i'm working on in the background that we're going to launch um next year that's a whole new ip actually i've got two <laughs> so <laughs> oh, nice. you know, so everything is between both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so lots of stuff And, uh, you know, I'm very lucky that I get to work on fun stuff. I also have to do lots of boring admin and contracts and budgets and everything that comes with the company, but um, I can't complain. But, yeah, it's it's a tricky thing. There's lots of things. But, like I said, I generally try and assume that everything – I mean, I don't want to work on a project that I just don't enjoy because – I just won't do a good job on it. And I always tell people is do stuff that you really are passionate about because you, the money will come, Yeah, you know, forget about the money, just do a great job, do something that you absolutely really, really, really love. And you would starve to do it. And then you'll do an amazing uh, job on it and it'll be, uh, it'll pay off
1: yeah it's uh it's really interesting how that stuff grows right like you you start doing something out of passion and you're like oh i'm going to be a game developer, and this is going to be amazing and the next thing you know you're like, But I also have to do the budget and now that's different yeah
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah and everyone thinks that you spend all day playing games God I wish <laughs> yeah um, you know it's it's like any industry actually you know that you've got to be careful if you love something so much if you have yeah. got to be careful because if you get into that industry, you might find that you're not you're doing anything but the thing you love you know and I'm lucky now that I'm able to do more of the creative work but there's been a you know a large chunk of time running Medifius where I was just head deep in contracts and admin and managing a growing business and you just don't get to play games as much which is why I forced myself I was very strict about you know I went home early on a Tuesday and we had our gaming night you know but um you, you you have to make time for the things that are important um but yeah it's uh when you get a big business like i said it's it, it, it there's a certain point when it's just you know it was just me and rita we were working from home uh like we are now again funnily enough but you <laughs> know when it was just the two of us and a few freelancers we could kind of do anything we liked and there was no real um you know it was there wasn't any real expectation and we could kind of go anywhere and do anything we want um you know it's not so much that now but you know i get to do way more interesting things now you know along with that so it's it's worth it for sure well
1: and i think that's something that gets lost sometimes especially in uh, not not people who are in the business but people who enjoy the games that we can get so worked up in loving the game that sometimes we forget that it's still a business and there's still like, you know, all this stuff behind it's not just some guy putting out a game or girl putting out a game. It's, you know, this whole list of <laughs> check boxes they got to get checked off in order to deliver. Oh, yeah. game.
0: It's, I think, um, you know, you often hear that like, why are you charging so much money? Is that like, why is it so expensive for a book? <laughs> and it's like, you have no idea, you know, there's, and also we, we want to pay people better. Yeah. We want to pay writers more than, you know, we started off at a low rate, like every small business, and then have gradually increased the rate as, you know, and to pay more, you need to sell more of that book. So you need to make the book look much better. You need to pay more for the artwork. You know, we pay three times for the artwork now, what we used to pay when we first started. Um, you pay more art, you pay, you know, um, for uh, more writing, you pay... you project managers to run it you suddenly now you need a logistics manager and a customer service person and all those costs add up so that you go well we've got to put the price up if we want this to make money and um you know based on the number that we think we're going to sell and there's always that well what's a fair price um that doesn't feel like we're pushing it too much Mm but gets us back the money because if we don't get the money back there ain't going to be another (laughs) game (laughs) in this line so it's it's all it's a lot of juggling to to make it make sense and sometimes it doesn't make sense and you're like you know we just don't make much on this and you go well but you know maybe that one's all right and you know, it's it's enough for now. And, you know, but that that's a fun project. So, you, you know, as long as you're making money on some projects, you can afford to be, you know, it can be a bit harder on others. But, you know, there's a lot of companies go bust because they get those numbers wrong and they everything yeah. they do is kind of not really making enough. And then they get the shipping wrong on a Kickstarter and they lose 50. Oh. 50- because they didn't they forgot that the costs were going up yeah and and they gave away a bit too much and then something else happens and you know you can get all these knock-on problems and then suddenly and then something doesn't sell as well as you thought and that's when you can go down so it's you know we have to be quite bullish about pricing and go this is worth it you know a lot of people work really hard for to get you this pdf and i know it's free it's a just a digital thing that doesn't exist but if we don't charge for it then there's not going to be any money to pay people to write the next really cool pdf that you're going to want so it's um you know it's always about it's all about kind of figuring out what's a fair price to charge people for the work that's been done and you know in a beautiful print book and with all that artwork and and um hard work has gone into it Uh, and of course if you sell more you can charge less right but you you end up pricing something based on this is how many we based on our experience of selling these things before how many we think we're going to sell now if you suddenly sold 25 times that (laughs) you'd be like wow okay the next one of these we could we could drop the price because we're probably going to sell similar numbers you know right um but that rarely happens.
1: <laughs> well, and, and, and I think a, a lot of us, you know, and, and I've, I've preached this on previous podcasts and I've wrote blogs about this because I'm really into like the business side of, of how this works. And I think we as consumers lose track of not everything you just talked about, like, you know, paying the right people, you know, making sure there's good people on the team because that's who's going to be developing good games. But then making sure that they not only are getting paid, but maybe have benefits, maybe have, you know, we got to make sure the lights are on in the building and, you know, that we have access to the right tools. But then there's also a number of other businesses that are also reliant on your game selling, like the distributor and then the retailer. Yeah. And and so it's just this long list.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think it also, you know, just to give you an idea that the average publisher, let's say for a $10 product, an average publisher will be, you know if they'll be netting somewhere between three and four dollars from distributors and then they've got to pay all the overheads of the company the cost of the the making the physical product itself um and so when you sell pdfs you're like yeah but it's like it doesn't cost you anything you should just give them away for free you're making so little money on distribution that when you can sell pdfs that kind of helps offset Right. some of the big costs and you're like oh thank goodness we you know we're making some money on pdfs because that really helps make it all worthwhile and it means we don't have to push the price up a lot um so uh, and RPGs obviously benefit from the fact that you can sell them digitally and we're, we're exploring 3d print files now and that's a new thing um but pdfs do mean that you can bring some extra money in to help cover some of the really big overheads and i think it's especially with war games it's you know there's so much money goes out to develop a game it's a lot of development time and there's a lot of people working hard and the sculpting and the 3d printing to master them and the painting the professional painting to make them look good you know a 3d print of a miniature is you know a good one is you know somewhere between 70 and 100 pounds so like over a hundred dollars you know it's not like oh yeah it's really cheap it's i can print mine at home you can if you want a really bad quality (laughs) miniature line but if you want a like you know top of the line top five quality range you've got to pay money out and so it all adds up and then you know the graphic design time always takes more than you think and the (laughs) playtesting takes more than you think and then someone's got to manage that and their salaries add up and then the office space Um, you know it's all um, it's crazy (laughs) how much right how much it takes
1: all most of us think about is just the game right well we got the game I I'm thinking about my personal income and can I afford this game I wish it was cheaper and just like all the line items that went into that game can be is overwhelming for the company making the game let alone if you at home are thinking about
0: (laughs) yeah and I I actually come from, you know, my background is doing club nights in London. Um, I was doing big rave clubs, or EDM, electronic dance music nights, as they're called now, in the 90s. And I come from a culture of, you know, um, the new club culture is about, you know, members clubs and, you know, you pay a lot of money to book a table and it's, um, you know, it's very elitist. And I come from the kind of rave culture of you know, we we charged a very, very fair amount to get into the club. And it was like 3000 people dancing to big techno DJs. And it wasn't about, you know, uh, making as much money. We wanted a great atmosphere and, and nice people. And, you know, it was all kinds of people would come to the clubs. And we were really good to every, you know, I used to do the door and I'd be on, you know, every single person that came in the door, I wanted to make sure, they had a great time I'd, I'd go out sometimes we'd buy Star Trek outfits and we'd go out and go who can tell me and there'd be like a queue of 2,000 people outside and say who can tell me the name of five people from the bridge of the enterprise and they would be like oh I know. and then some guy and his girlfriend would get it right and I'd go right you're going in free tonight you go to the front of the queue and everyone would be laughing and joking and you know you 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 then equally have these horrible clubs where the doormen are just you know give you so much hassle and you're miserable by the time you've got in and and so we really wanted people to have a great time and i have kind of brought that mentality forward about you know your customers are these wonderful people that are helping keep the lights on yeah and we want them to have the best experience and enjoyment and we try and ensure the customer service is great for them and and that things aren't too expensive and that they're Mm -hmm. affordable but you know you Things have to cost what they cost, and we right. we do our best to go. Can we make that another pound cheaper? Could we bring it down a couple more dollars? And you know, would it? Could we still make the right money? And uh, and so we do um, the best we can. Um, but you know, it's it's. Um, and we also try and, especially last few months, we've delayed a lot of releases because we're like people aren't going to have the money to pay for no. this, and we don't want to make them feel like they've got to go and find the money. And and anytime I do a Kickstarter. I see people are like, oh, but I can't afford this thing. And I'm just like, man, you know, just come back in six months. We'll still be, that thing will still be here. Right, I, right. I don't generally like the, um, this is an exclusive thing that you can only ever get in this Kickstarter if you find the money to pay for it now. And I think that's really unfair. Yeah, And it puts a lot of financial pressure on people. Like I've got to get this thing because it's my only chance to get it. And that's a great sales and marketing tool, but it sucks for people. Who are like, oh, but I was supposed to pay off this debt, and, or, you know, I really need to pay for my partner's holiday or something. But actually, you felt so um, pressured that you went and spent all the money on this add on for the Kickstarter because you could only get it now. And I think that's, I don't like that. So,
1: yeah, it's, yeah. And I, uh, to that point, um, that I agree with you 100% that Kickstarter is almost like it becomes this kind of like hunger games of, deciding what level i can afford to be at but also getting enough that i'll that i won't feel left out of the game because
0: yeah no. y- you know yeah, and it's-
1: at, at like a certain level i get the base game but oh if i could if i could find 30 more dollars or you know I, I could i could upgrade to the next one and get all the special stuff that's not coming in the base game and it's just yeah it's i mean it feels bad I, sometimes i
0: but. always try and make sure this stuff's going to be around like yeah. uh, you know we. We do, you know, when we launched Elder Scrolls, there's a theory of Dragonborn that you can only get from us for now, but you're mm-hmm. going to be able to get it, but you can always get it. It's not like you can only get it now. And if you don't get it, that's right. it. It's right. Never coming back. And it's going to go to retail eventually. And, um, you know, it's might be limited time wise, but it's not like a, a thing that you can never get. And it's not like, Oh, we're going to charge double the price for it. If you don't buy it now, I think it just sucks. You know, it's like, yeah, you got to think I was that person and I had bills to pay and, and, you know, especially now with people losing their jobs and stuff, it's like, you've got to rethink, um, about, uh, people's situations and and try and treat them respectfully and, and, um, um, you know, just, just be a good, a good business really and, and be good to people. So we're not always amazing at it, but we, you know, we do our best to, um, um, you know, look after everyone.
1: Yeah. And I think probably I would guess for you guys too, it's, it's a tough position, not just because of where we are globally today, but even before that, I think that the game market, as much as it's expanded at some point here, we're going to reach a saturation level. You, you know, with the amount of demand. Yeah. And so, like, trying Interesting,
0: to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you only have to look at Kickstarter to see there's a lot of people that have suddenly found money to spend that I don't think were spending it in retail before. Yeah. Just because Kickstarter's let people make some really, really cool things. And there's both new people joining them. I and I remember Kickstarter people saying that, you know, I think they had about, I think it was near on a million people who were um you know buying into tabletop stuff and um it's definitely reaching a a bigger audience and also people are spending a lot of money and they're finding more money because there's just so many cool things um the you know the problem we've had in retail which has somewhat been solved by covid is that everyone was saying a year ago there's just too many good games out and it, it's not like the um there was the uh, d20 uh, collapse when mm. uh, it was um, D&D 3.5 edition and they made the um, the open yep. um, uh, OSR uh, and everyone could ba- basically everyone was making d20 supplements and they were just they became trash and there was just too much and then loads of people you know loads of companies went bankrupt because they thought they were going to sell thousands <laughs> of these books and they didn't and now we've got this, you know, Kickstarter-driven torrent of amazing games. And they're all pretty good. It's not like you can go, well, half of them are junk. You know, they're all like awesome miniatures and pretty good rules and great ideas. And, and shops are overloaded by that. They just can't cope. And it used to be that, the the you know, the new hotness was up there for you know upon that you know the kind of new releases shelf for a good couple of weeks maybe longer and now it's like you're lucky to be there for a, a week Yep. and um and everyone in the industry was going well it's not like we can you know i'm going to go oh it's okay guys i'm going to release 20 percent left games this year i'll contribute <laughs> to that yeah. Yeah. no one was saying that and it and yet everyone knew that something had to change and it's bizarrely COVID has done that. It's like slammed the hand down and suddenly everyone's gone, whoa, okay, I'm going to slow down releases because it's just too much. Now, there is a huge demand in distribution and retail for for new products um, because everyone's like getting going and there's been demand. But, um, you know, we've slowed our releases down because I'm conscious that there's a lot of people who don't, whilst they've been locked down. in, In Europe, we've fared better you know, we, people have been getting their furlough money from the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a bit different and I know, you know, there's huge unemployment in the U S so, you know, we've just took a decision because we furloughed a lot of people and we slow down our releases. So we're, yeah. you know, more behind, but we're like, it's okay. Let's just slow the pace down. You know, we can, you know, Elder Scrolls for example, is a good idea, you know, stores are still not open in some places and they've been open for a few weeks in other places so the next release is for Elder Scrolls aren't until late August so we thought well let's just give everyone a couple of months to catch up and then stuff will start to come out and we've you know slowed it down and we've done the same thing with Fallout just stre- stretch things out a bit and um, you know giving people a bit of space so um I wonder yeah,
1: too if the paradigm is going to shift a little bit here, because of what we've experienced over the past four or five months, where um, I still feel like, like for instance, you know, we we opened an online retail store where we, we you know, we're selling Elder Scrolls and we're selling other stuff. I found that we uh, the need for online sales started to increase. And a lot of like local stores aren't able to fill that kind of need, right? And so
0: it's starting to,
1: yeah, it's starting to shift a little bit. So my question is going to be, my question is really, how is the retail brick and mortar going to adapt? Um, Because I don't know that um, the game store, the comic store has had to really adapt that much because they had this kind of base of people who were coming in and always buying things from them. And so how do they adapt to meet this new need of the community where, you know, Joe over here could, he can go, okay, I could drive down to the store and put on my mask and do all this stuff to get there. Um, Or I can just go to this website, you know, Modifius website, or I can go to, you know, the Fifth Trooper website and I can just buy it from there and it'll be here in a couple of days.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, and, and of course, the big one is Amazon. It's, you know, if yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. just so easy to, you get free delivery with Amazon and I'm buying a bunch of other stuff and I know what I want. I mean, the, the Dave Salisbury at, at um, in the UK at, uh, from fanboy three. I was a big proponent of the third space that, you know, gaming stores live and die by providing that third space, say, a mm-hmm. space to meet other gamers, to find out what's happening in your local community, to come and play. And and that's the, their challenge is to, you know, um, can they still maintain some of that with the reduced conditions? I mean, that all may change. I mean, like in the UK, we're down to a, a metre um social yeah. distancing when it was two meters who knows how long that will last whether it you know there's evidence that it still might be um not safe to really to be in an indoor space with people because it's fine particles mm-hmm. that can infect you not big particles and touching surfaces um, so that aside though i think that you know who knows the, the what the world's going to be like and of course in the uk and in the us we've all had these really big loans from the government that are going to have to be repaid you know because everyone's had to pay their commercial rents we've not had a discount we've had an office that's empty for four or five months and we're you know and still got to pay the rent and um whilst people have been getting loans to help pay um uh you know some of the running costs that money has to be paid back at some point and will they make an, you know, a lot of stores live, you know, with a very thin margin and um, I, you know, the general consensus is that we might see 20% less stores yeah. and it, maybe it's the ones that weren't run as well. Maybe it's the, you know, they just got unlucky with, you know, with the stuff, maybe they weren't able to quickly, you know, maybe they didn't have a online store or maybe yeah. they weren't able to kind of turn around quickly enough or they didn't get the support of their local community i mean we we've said to people who pre-ordered with stores please please keep your pre-order with your store even if they're not open yet Mm. do support them i know it's a pain in the ass Mm. and i know you really want your game but you know for the sake of a month just Mm. hang in there and and support them and um you know it could it could be all the difference between keeping them going
1: So, and maybe this is, this is the capitalist in me (laughs) a little bit, but uh, part of me says, I think that there was inherently here in the U.S. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how it is over there. Um, But like here in the U.S., I think there is inherently a, a problem with our local game stores as far as diversification. And I feel like that Um, you know, it's very hit or miss whether or not you'll have a play area or how big the play area, are they welcoming and opening? And I think that, and this goes back to the capitalist in me, that this is going to force stores to diversify and to start thinking outside of the box to deliver a customer, you know, service that maybe what a level of customer service that wasn't there before, that they're going Mm. to now be required to do because they need to pull in customers again. And so,
0: and
1: I I do. And I I think there's some really good stores that are, we're probably going to lose that we shouldn't lose just because of circumstances. But I do think this is going to force the industry and the, at the retail level to adjust to, to diversify so that they're bringing a better experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, everyone's got to re I mean even we've reconsidered how we do business and then we brought forward a lot of digital products we um you know went much heavier into 3d print files and we're exploring because we know that um that you know suddenly people have got massively into 3d printing over lockdown and that and things are changing and you cannot ignore it and biz- the business as a whole is going to change a lot over the next six months no one Everyone's scared. everyone's staring into crystal balls. No one knows where it's going to go. Yeah. For the gamer, it's a great time. They're still getting a lot of great games. Yeah. Um, it's um, you know that's not going to go away. For for you know, I would say that everyone should do their best to support you know uh, whichever store that they they go to, and um, because you know it's local gaming stores that get games in front of people and I know a lot, of lot online stores will go to conventions and also, mm-hmm. um, you know, do demos and things. And it's, it's your gaming retailer that is on the high street that attracts people who are like, Oh God, I played D when I was a kid. I wonder what this, what it's like now. And you know, that's, it's really important. So they are going to have to adjust and have online sales and have a curbside service. And, you know, find out how they can service their community better through a great Facebook page that connects mm-hmm. gamers and stuff. So it's um yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge. It's a good opportunity to really do do what we do better. Um, you know, not the most ideal conditions, a lot of people are suffering, but, you know, it's a challenge for all of us to to come out of this fighting, you know.
1: Yeah. I And yes, and I agree. You know, there's a lot of negatives to it, but I always like to look at the positives. And and one of those positives, I think, is it's giving businesses, uh, (laughs) you know, they don't have a choice, but it's giving them an opportunity to take a look at, to step back, take a look at their business and see what is and isn't working. Because I don't think a hundred percent that the the pandemic is breaking businesses i you know i think maybe like 40 to 50 percent it is but like i think 40 to 50 percent are maybe things that were already broken that were being hidden right and this is kind of shining a light on those things and a, and it gives all each business an opportunity to kind of go oh okay that so that's a broken piece of my, of yeah. my machine here so if i can fix yes. that you know
0: yeah absolutely
1: well, that went, <laughs> that went into a business area. I, I, that's, my, that's what I love talking about. Evan knows that. he always. I'm sure Evan's over there going, oh, God, not again. But <laughs> I'm obsessed with that part of, of the, the whole industry. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we had you for 45 minutes or so. I don't know if, you, if there's anything else you want to talk about, but I no, think I might good.
0: be. Yeah. No, I think we pretty much covered everything.
1: Um, yeah, so I would I would highly recommend to everyone listening go up to the Midifius uh, website, Medifius.net. Tons of stuff up there. Um, and you guys can explore all the things we talked about, plus all you know, the twenty or thirty games we haven't talked about.
0: <laughs> They're all yes. up there. So All no right. Um, well let's do it again when we've got more stuff to talk about.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think we'd love to have you on and, and get more specific about, you know, maybe we could just focus on one one game or something. Uh, I think that would sure. be.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really
0: appreciate it. Yeah, no, anytime. Thanks a lot for having me. Join us next week for another edition of the Fifth Trooper Podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production.